C3 Memphis is live in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Today is such a special day because it's Zach Smith's birthday. Happy birthday, Zach Smith. And also, Derek Shipley is with us today. So thank you, Derek, for joining us. We appreciate you being here. We're going to play a new song. Well, I think we're playing three new songs today. So sit back, get around the TV, grab your laptop and your phones. We encourage you guys to sing along with us. Break my belief My faith is bigger Than all I can see What I need Is redemption What I need Is for you To be back on my feet Whoa. I'm trying to give everything But I feel I'm falling So make me believe What I need is resurrection What I need is for you To put me back on my feet I could feel you shine, oh, let me feel you shine. 
Good morning, C3. I can't begin to tell you how much Ivy and I miss you. Um, it's weird not seeing you every Sunday, but, you know, we do the best we can. Um, today's reading comes from Deuteronomy 31.6. To give you context, it's when Moses is about to pass on with his ancestors and turn the people of Israel over to Joshua. And just so you know, he'll make a reference to some of the people who have been attacking Israel and will attack Israel. Anyway, so the verse is Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or nor forsake you. Why would we worship a God who just left us all the time? We worship a God who truly loves us and wants the best for us. So as we move on throughout the day and our week, just know when times are hard, there truly is someone upstairs who's always caring for us. So why wouldn't we worship a man like that, a God like that? Thank you, Shelby, for the call to worship this morning. We are going to teach you another new song. Um, this one should tie into Larry's message nicely. Uh, it's one he sent to me earlier this week. It's a great song. Uh, the chorus, uh, the, what I love about the chorus, it says, all our treasures will, here will fade, so we long to see your face. So we encourage you guys to sing along with us. Every valley will be lifted high And the weak will be the strong When you come like lightning in the sky How long, oh Lord, how long? Kings on earth will scatter when they hear Thundering sounds of angel songs Hearts will tremble filled with holy fear How long, oh Lord, how long? All our hopes are fixed on you that your promises are true And one day you will return All our treasures here will fade So we long to see your face Until then our hearts will burn how long, O oh Lord? You will conquer every evil thing, every sorrow, pain, and wrong. They will cease when you return, our King. How long, O oh Lord? How long? All our hopes are fixed on you That your promises are true And one day you will return All our treasures here will fade 
So we long to see your face And even our hearts will burn How long, oh Lord 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 All our hopes are fixed on you Your promises are true And one day you all our treasures here will fade So we long to see your face Until then our hearts will burn How long, oh Lord? How long, oh Lord? How long? So good morning, and morning. thank you guys for that music. Thank you guys. It was wonderful, fantastic. Welcome, Derek. And a happy 21st birthday to Zach Smith. <laughs> so um, we're all glad to be here together, and glad you're here. Yes, um, welcome. One, uh, the th most of you probably know that mm. I teach senior English, I teach English at, to uh, juniors and seniors, actually, Girls, and mm. one of the topics that has come up, comes up all the time, this will not surprise anyone, mm. these days, now that we're back at school a little bit, is the topic, the hot topic of justice. Yes. Yes. What is justice? What does it look like? Um, the girls, some of them anyway, report lots of questions. What do I think about this? What do I think about that? And report some discrepancies between the way people view justice some division between uh, generations, perhaps what their, Them and their parents their parents or grandparents think may be different <clears> than <throat> what they're thinking. Yes. Um, and that song was great. You know, yes. when's it, how long, oh Lord, right? When's it coming? Yes. What does it look like? Who's yes. going to exact it? These are the questions that yes. they're asking all the time. Um, and so I think that's our topic for today. Yes. Justice. What's yes. it look like? What does it look like? What does it mean? Yeah. How does it work? Um, Obviously, how should it work? How should it work? Obviously, other than the virus, there's probably nothing uh, that's in the news more consistently and passionately than this issue of justice. It's been a big summer. Yes, it's been a big summer <laughs> in many ways and on many levels for all of us. But, um, Shirley, I was just reading um, in the last couple of weeks in my journey through the Bible uh, I read the book of Job, and I just finished the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, truthfully, uh, I never, I've read those two books several hundred times each. And this whole idea of justice, uh, I never noticed it sh uh, to my shame. And 
well, just to my shame, I, I never saw it. And then when I read the book of Job and uh, the book of Ecclesiastes recently, I guess because it's such a hot topic uh, right now, I just saw how Always they... Always has been. It's just up in our... Yeah, it's just in my face, right yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I don't know, I just... Not every page of Job or every page of Ecclesiastes, but I would say... I don't know, many, many times, I want to say hundreds of times, maybe not that many, but 40, 50, 60 times in each book, these writers communicate their confusion and their frustration over this idea of justice. They were struggling with justice and the lack thereof. So this is not new uh, for the it, human race. No, and, and then I started going back and doing a little study on it and what the Bible says about justice. And I, I saw that Abraham and Moses and then obviously the writers of the Psalms and the Old Testament prophets, they, they just in amazing, consistent, abundant ways all communicated how they struggled with God's justice and the justice of the world and mankind and where is it and what does it look like and why isn't it here and what's hindering it and what can they do to, to, to make a difference. And I think you're right, nothing changes. The issues that bothered and plagued uh, the, the, the people of the Old and New Testament times, the, the, the issues that they struggled with and wrestled with They're the the same issues that we're struggling with and that we're wrestling with. Why is God ignoring the world's evil? How long, O Lord? Yes. Um, uh, The world's inequality, unfairness, prejudice, oppression. God, if you are a God of justice, if you are a God that is good and righteous, why are these things so prevalent and so powerful Uh, in our world. And I would just say to you, the Bible uh, leaves much unclear about God's person, about God's priorities, God's plans, God's ways. I would say that the Bible leaves out more than it includes. Uh, and And what's remarkable about it is that the Bible leaves out so much about who God is and His ways and values and priorities and it does it without apology. It does it without embarrassment. It just, it, 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 it leaves out what it chooses to, and it addresses what it chooses to. And as I said, the Bible leaves out much about God and His ways. But I want us to talk today about something that the Bible is very clear on, something that the Bible does not leave out and is not unclear on, and that is, The Bible from beginning to end and in almost every book declares without uncertainty or hesitation that God will make right all that is wrong and God will deal with justice and take care of and address all that is not just. Uh, and I want to talk about how the Bible addresses this. And the way I'm going to do it is God makes us three promises regarding His justice, His, 
His, and when I use the word justice, the way the Bible addresses justice, it, it's always related to God's coming judgment. God's coming judgment is the, the means through which God is going to bring about justice. His judgments lead to justice. And he makes us three promises. Very clear, very powerful, very strong uh, uh, promises related to his coming judgments and his administration of justice. And so I want to talk about those. I want us to talk about them for just a few minutes. And the first promise that God makes is this. God's justice and God's judgment, they are coming. Uh, The Bible says it again from beginning to end that God's justice and God's judgments, they are coming. And uh, one of the very first stories in the Bible, and maybe, uh, I don't know if it's the most famous story in the Bible, but it's definitely one of the top four or five, that's the story of Noah and the flood. And, you know, we can get all focused on the cuteness of the animals or the size of the ark or whether the flood was a a localized flood uh, or a universal flood and how long and, yeah, you know, the kind of wood and all all that's interesting. (laughs) But what what's important to me is that we not miss the real point of that story. And that is that there came a day when God said, enough's enough. Mankind is acting in unjust, evil, wrong ways. And I cannot take it anymore. And I'm going to address it. I'm going to bring about my judgment as a way of dealing with and ushering in my justice. Now, for a hundred years, God warned mankind through Noah. Judgment was coming. Judgment was coming. Y'all are unjust. And because you are, judgment is coming. And other than eight people, mankind said, I don't believe you, or I don't care what you're saying. I'm ignoring your emphasis on justice, and I'm ignoring your your prophecy that judgment is coming. But the point of the story is that God created an historical event to uh, help us understand in a prophetic way that which would happen universally someday. And that is that God would deal with the injustice of the world and he would do so by bringing about judgment. Um, I got to say this, just I hope it'll fit. Uh, I was reading in Ezekiel the other day and I found this verse in Ezekiel chapter 13 and here's what it says. God says to his people, every time there's a storm, that is my way of revealing and reminding you that my judgment is coming. Every time there's a storm, it is God's way of revealing that judgment is coming and reminding us that judgment is coming. I I know that hit me in a powerful way that do I see storms as God's continual uh, 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 expression of grace, Larry, are you ready? Larry, do you realize my judgment is coming? Are, are you 
uh, uh, embracing my passion for justice uh, like I want you to. Do you see the storm cloud? Do you see the rain? Do you see the lightning and the thunder? They're my way of reminding you that this is a big deal and it's certain and it's going to happen. Um, God's judgment, the Bible says, is coming. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the Bible says, The day will come when God will hold all of us accountable for all of our deeds, both good and bad. Later in chapter 12, God says, God will judge every action of every person, including all that's been done in secret. Actions that have been done in public that everybody knows about, actions that have been done that no one knows about. In Acts chapter 14, Paul says, God has set aside a day when he will judge the world with justice. In Romans 2, Paul says, there, The day will come when all mankind will stand before God's judgment seat, and the secrets and the motives of each person will be exposed. God will judge us based upon what we've done and not done, but also why we did or didn't do what we did or didn't do. I think God, I think implied there is that God will also judge us based upon the opportunities that we had. What would I have done had I been in a similar situation as someone else? There, it's, a, it's an ominous idea that God has set aside a day. I'm sorry, yeah, a day is coming when all mankind will stand before God's judgment seat. And the secrets and motives of man, will, of each person, will be exposed. 1 Corinthians 4 says, God will bring to light all that is hidden in the darkness and expose every person's heart and every person's motive. And then finally in Romans 12, Paul says, Never take revenge. Leave it to God. For vengeance is His and he will repay it. What is Paul saying there? He's telling the Christians that he was writing to at the church at Rome that God's judgment is coming, and therefore we can suffer. We can endure wrong. We can forgive people when they wrong us. We can love our enemies because God's judgment and God's justice is coming and it will deal rightly with all that's wrong, it frees us up. It frees us up to love, to forgive, to endure, um, etc. Without that love, forgiveness, and grace, and I've thought about it till right now, almost doesn't make sense. It's exactly without right. Without the balance of justice. Turning the other cheek is absurd right. unless there is a strong belief and confidence. That God's justice rightness. and rightness will prevail. Yeah. So God promises us that His justice and His judgment are coming. Second promise that God makes is God's judgment is and will be just. Abraham asked a question. It's a rhetorical question, but he asked the question, Won't the judge of all the earth act justly? And what's implied there is, is Abraham is going, you have to. You're the judge of all the earth. You, you can't help 
but be just. You can't help but judge justly. Uh, In Psalm 115, the psalmist says, God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. That's, That's important. That's good to know. But I think an equally important question is, what's his pleasure? If he's in the heavens doing what he pleases, then what's his pleasure? Well, I would suggest that one of the things that pleases God to no end is justice. Justice, the Bible says, is the foundation of God's throne and rule. Justice, the Bible says, that God holds it tightly in his right hand. Justice, the Bible says, that God delights in it. What that's, all those verses are saying is, is that within God's heart and mind and dealings with mankind, there's no partiality. There's no unfairness. There's no bias. There's nothing preconceived. God doesn't see one of us, see me coming and go, oh yeah, because he's a certain color or a certain educational background or a certain gender or or whatever. He doesn't put peg me in, in a certain category because of the past or because of others. God has no agendas. He can't be bribed. And he does not lack the facts and the details of my circumstances that would cause him to judge me wrongly. God's judgment, the Bible says, is right. It's true. And it's good. It's, as I said earlier, justice. It's it's who God is. It's his nature. And God cannot operate or relate to us contrary to justice, and his justice doesn't change. The way he related injustice to Adam, to Abraham, to Moses, to David, to Paul, and to John is the same way that he relates injustice to you and to me. The Bible suggests that God is strong enough, wise enough, and good enough to ensure that justice will prevail. And truthfully, you know, if you read the Bible uh, from beginning to end, what you discover is God's people did not struggle with God's justice. I've, I've heard that. I've even read books about that where God's people struggle with justice. I would suggest that God's people, generally speaking, did not struggle so much with God's justice as they struggled with God's timing. That song that Chris sang a minute ago, How Long, O Lord? It's not, O Lord, where's your justice? The real question is, O Lord, when will your justice prevail? When will it start operating? I see nothing but injustice. How long, O Lord? And when will I see it? When will I see it? When will I experience? That's exactly right. How long, O Lord? So it's not... That people in the, in the Bible were questioning God's judgment as much as they were questioning his timing. Job, Abraham, Moses, the psalmist, the prophets, they criticized God and they complained to God not about God's justice, but about God's delay. I find it unique that uh, when you read not just the Old Testament, but the, the writings of the ancient Hebrews, there is a very unique difference in how they wrote about God's justice 
and God's coming judgment. All the ancient religions, they all consistently believed whatever their God was, that he was going to someday come again and usher in justice of some form and bring judgment about. But what is unique about the Israelites' perspective, and you see it throughout the Old Testament, but also in other of their writings of that time, and that is that there was an optimism about it. They, they consistently looked forward to God's justice coming. When you read other ancient uh, literature, you see a terror. You see a dread. You see a fear. Oh my gosh, God is coming back and God is going to make things right. He's bringing about his justice. And it filled them with terror and dread. But when you read the, the Old Testament saints writing about God's judgment, God's return, God's just, justice, what you see is they're saying, God, please do this. Um, notice what David says in Psalm 7. Lord, my accusers fill the court. It's time for judgment. Take your place on the bench. Take hold of your gavel. Throw out these false charges. I'm ready. I'm confident. And I'm waiting for your verdict. He doesn't sound afraid about God's judgment and God's justice. He's ready. He's ready. Not that David, of all people, he, was, he realized his flaws and his brokenness and his failure. But he, there was an underlying belief that God would do what was right and that he would relate to David in a just and good way. I would just add here that because God delights in justice and seeks justice, it's a big deal to God that we delight in justice and seek justice as well. Uh, he really wants his children to emulate him in his value of justice. Um, I am married to a school teacher, uh, an English school teacher, a literature school teacher. What that means is that in this home, we value reading. We value reading in this home. Our daughter grew up in this home valuing reading. Why? Because her mama valued reading. Um, God is a God of justice. And it's important to him that we as his children value justice as well. In Micah chapter 6, the prophet says, God has told you what is good and how you should live. Act justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly. And then in Psalm 37, the, the, the psalmist David says, don't fret about evildoers. Don't fret about the unjust actions of other people. You act justly. You trust me to deal with the unjust in my timing and in my ways. You see, do you see that? I mean, that's, that's important mm -hmm. that we... That, God wants us, but what about everybody else? I've got that. I will deal with that. I want you to act justly. But we don't want to wait for that, no. like we said earlier. No. We want to see it no. now. You yes. know? And I think that's a human tendency. Yes. I understand that. Yes. And that it is a matter of faith to wait yes. the Lord yes. to, to exact the justice. It reminds me of a, mm. an old story, an ancient myth, really. Well, not really. It is mm. an ancient myth. The story of Medea. 
and Jason. You might have heard of it back in your ninth grade mythology class, but um, in the play Medea by Euripides, that's the the story I'm going to relate because there's several different myths. Medea is a woman, and she and Jason of Jason and the Argonauts fame. They come together. They marry. And she is kind of a goddess. She's the, the daughter of one of the gods, uh, the god of the sun, I think. And uh, so she is able to help Jason in his quest to get the golden fleece, you might remember. Mm-hmm. And so he has to go. No. Well, you remember the idea of Jason. Oh, I do. I just yeah. wasn't listening yeah. in ninth grade, very much. So. Uh, you weren't listening in ninth <laughs> no, grade, no. Ms. Brunson? No, I was um, not. <laughs> anyway, so. To my shame. Yeah. So she does. And so there's, a, there's kind of like these Herculean tasks. There's all these tasks he has to do in order to get the golden fleece, and she helps him with all of them. Um, she throws corn into a field, and the soldiers pop up, and she helps him go across the ocean, and all of these things, so these magical, mythical things. Well, at the end, he gets the golden fleece, he's happy, he has survived all of this with her help. And very true to human form, in some, uh, sometimes. Um, at the end of it, he thanks her, and he is glad that she has helped him, but he has decided he's going to go a different direction, and finds another woman, younger, and, uh, well, probably, <laughs> probably, and leaves her with these yeah. kids. Depending on which myth you read, it's anywhere from two to fourteen. So who knows? But um, all these kids, and he decides to go with another woman, and there's then and there's that. Well, abandons her. Yeah, he abandons her yeah. after all that help. So she, as the myth goes, takes matters into her own hands and does not wait for the justice of the gods mm-hmm. on him, which they are angry, too, at what he did and would have exacted justice on him. But she decides to take justice into her own hands and says to him, come and get your children. Mm. And, um, and, and so as he's coming to get the children, this is very tough, she kills those children so mm. that when he arrives, they're all dead. Mm. And then he has all this grief. Mm. And that's the way she exacts uh, justice on him. But here's the, the key, and this is where we might can bring it into our own lives. The way the story ends, the way that play ends, it's a line that says something along the lines of, she hated him more than she loved her own children. Mm. And so the loss was everyone's. Mm. In trying to exact justice, she lost her children, she lost herself, she lost him already. And all was lost Mm -hmm. rather than just waiting for the justice that the gods would have brought. And I think of that story a lot when I see myself and others hating and exacting justice on a spouse, an an enemy. Yes, Mm. rather than... It's, it's very hard to wait. We can't see the justice of God. And we'd rather uh, ruin ourselves and those we love Trying to exact uh, justice, her own children, uh, versus a willingness to wait and let God wait is deal so with it. Trust that God will deal with it. Countercultural to, to all cultures, mm. all times. She, Thank she you. didn't do it. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And she lost wow. everything. God makes three promises regarding His justice and judgment. One is that His judgment is coming. Two, His judgment will be just. And thirdly that his judgment and justice will be administered by his son, the Lord Jesus. In Acts 10, the, uh, the Bible says, Jesus will one day judge the living and the dead. And then in Romans 2, Paul says, there will be a day when God judges people's secrets and motives through 
Jesus Christ. The Bible is saying there that Jesus has a perfect balance of power and wisdom and righteousness and justice and that those qualities will drive how he relates to and judges all people. And I believe that one of the purposes of the Gospels, one of the reasons that God wants us to read the Gospels daily, in my opinion, uh, and get to know Jesus, because I believe that people who really get to know the Lord Jesus will, with absolute confidence and security, declare, I wouldn't want anybody but Jesus mm. being my judge. That's a good point. He, he, I, I, I've watched how he related to people in the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Who else would I want to be the judge of my life and the judge of this world? The last thing I would say is this. In Matthew chapter 7, the Bible talks about a, a storm. There's two men um, who both build houses. Uh, we don't know much about the houses they built. One built it on a, 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 a sandy foundation and one built it upon a, a, a rock foundation. Uh, what we do know is that a storm came. Remember, storms represent the judgment of God. And this storm was so mighty and so powerful and so devastating that it literally shook both houses to their core. Um, the, the question that Jesus presents or, uh, to us or asks of us uh, in this story is not... Hey, what kind of wood did each man use? What color paint? What color? What kind of fixtures? Uh, how many square feet? Uh, you know, the shingle. Jesus doesn't address any of the specifics of either house that went through that storm. The aesthetics don't matter, do they? None of none of the specifics and aesthetics matter at all. The only issue that Jesus presents and questions, or our presents as a question to us, is what, will the foundation that I have built my house, my life, my future, my eternity on, will it survive the coming storm? There'll be a day. Storms will happen in my life and your life all the time. Will the foundation that we have built our lives upon survive those those earthly storms. But I believe there's a deeper question here, and that is when the final storm comes, when we stand before the Son of God. A just God. A just God named Jesus Christ. When we stand before Him, will the foundation of our lives, that which we have built our lives upon, will it survive that storm, that coming judgment? Um, we're going to end. I want to just thank you for uh, being with us today and I hope you'll think about these three promises that God has made. God's justice and God's judgment are coming. Um, God's judgment will be just and the judgment of God and the justice of God will be carried out by His Son, Jesus Christ. I just want to ask you, are you mad today? Seems like every time I turn on the TV, I listen to people that are mad. Are you mad about the injustice in the world? Well, the Bible would suggest to you, 
Try not to fear and fret and worry and be angry. God's justice and God's judgment are coming. Are you mad because other people don't value and embrace your value of justice like you do? They seem to be ignoring or minimizing it. I would just suggest to you that you're never going to change people. You're never going to sway people to see your point of view or join your your, uh, side by being angry and mean and harsh and judgmental and condemning toward them. Are you mad because you think people are making too big a deal about this? Why are they reacting so strongly about the injustice of the world? I don't think this world's that bad a place. Well, I would just say to you that justice is a big deal to God. And it breaks God's heart when people treat other people that He loves with injustice. And God wants us to be people of justice, and He wants us to work toward ushering in the justice of God. We're going to end today by celebrating the Lord's Supper. Um, We're going to take some bread, really a cracker, and we're going to take some wine. This represents the body of our Lord Jesus, and this represents His blood. And we're going to eat and drink these because Sherry and I, and many of us listening today, we heard about a judge, a judge that was just and righteous and holy and wise. And he, in an amazing story, he was on, uh, 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 sitting in his judgment chair and before him were people that were guilty, that were wrong, were condemned. They had, they had done the things that were And the judge had every right to condemn them them and sentence them to destruction. But instead he said, I tell you what, I'll take your punishment myself. I will take your condemnation. I will suffer the consequences of your wrong behavior. And And in place, I will give you my righteousness, my forgiveness, and I will even adopt you into my family. That's the amazing story of the gospel. And that is the story of God's Son coming and giving His life and dying on the cross, giving His body and His blood so that we, the condemned and unjust, could experience pardon and forgiveness and justice. And we rejoice in that today and we invite you to do the same with us. Bless you. Thank you for being with us today. I've never been good at change. I'm honest, it's always scared me But I can't deny this stirring deep inside me And I know it's time to stop resisting Cause I'm not getting any younger I 
Fear is such a sad way to live a life. So face to the wind, I'm jumping out, I'm walking in. Every single thing you want to show me. To the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the taking in, the letting go, to tears and laughter, the great unknown, to the open journey, and to faith I go, and to faith I go. Nobody said this would be easy. Anyone who did never went through anything painful. But faith is some fragile thing that shatters when we walk through something hard. So we walk on. Whatever may come to the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the taking in. The letting go to tears and laughter, the great unknown to the open journey into faith. I go running like a child in an open field, stepping off the edge. I'm facing all my fears. If this is what it feels like to be born again, I'll be born again. So when I feel like giving up, when I feel like throwing it all away, I look back over my shoulder, I can see your goodness, every single step that I have taken. And it beats like a drum, oh, and it rings like a bell. Thanks again for joining us. We are Christ Community Church. We'll be back next week. It won't be Zach's birthday next week, though. Somebody else's birthday? Yeah, maybe. All right. Come back next week. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, 1015 Sharp. Thanks again for joining us. Y'all have a great week.